Hello, everybody, and welcome to Documentation Not Included. Uh, it's episode 83. We're going to be talking about games today, but hello, my name is Josie Howarth, and we are live on twitch.tv slash DNI stream. This is what happens when I don't have a script in front of me, and we were just talking about um, uh, SVNs and Git and how to handle branching and stuff, so we weren't even on topic before we started, but hello, everybody, and welcome, and also... I am, as always, joined by the greatest co-host in the world, Chris Seabach. That's certainly a grand claim, but uh, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> thanks on everybody in chat. Obviously, you can get involved if you uh, if you do have anything relevant to say. I'm mm. sure some of you will, because I know a lot of people that, that watch this uh, are gamers. I know there are also people who aren't gamers as well. So, you know, we thought we'd thought we'd mix it up a bit today. We've got actually got a subject to talk about. So, difficulties in games. We listed yes, a load of things. Go on. We, we have. I want to start out by saying um, one thing that we're not going to branch into is accessibility difficulties, because that in its own right is a topic uh, that deserves an honest to goodness look at some point in time. Um, but accessibility in general is not the kind of thing we're talking about here, although uh, some have taken to arguing that some games make themselves too difficult. So then there are plugins that make games more accessible or easier to cheat. And that is something that can be discussed as well. Um, but no, we're actually wanting to talk about how difficulty in general, some people love really difficult games. Some people don't. Some people come from the old school world of uh, cheats. I mean, I'm just going to go out there and say... I, I'm just going to go out there and see. Let's see, let's see how many people recognize IDS, PIS, P zero PD. That's uh, is that an action replay code? That is a Doom no clip. Very right. old school. <laughs> sounded, but like some like of it, us yeah. grew up in the world of cheat codes and things like that, and you know. We don't always have that as an option nowadays. But yeah, Chris and I are like, we can talk games for hours. Let's pick a topic. So Chris, what were you thinking about when you and I, when difficulty was a thing? Because you're the one, I listed a huge thing. You're like, difficulty. I'm like, all right, yep. let's hit that. So the reason that I uh, I wanted to talk difficult, difficulty is because I had, well, first of all, at the time I was playing Elden Ring which is a FromSoft game, which is a Demon demon Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Soulsborne-like game. Um, mm -hmm. And there's no difficulty in those. No setting, at least, anyway. But there are ways to make the game easier. And I thought just that in itself is interesting to talk about because of the way they've done it. It's, I don't know if you've played it or, or had a go of it in, in any respect, but it's an extremely accomplished game. Not just the game mechanics, but everything about it but yeah the difficulty in, in particular from soft games are known for being hard and a lot of people are, are scared away from, from them for the fact that they're hard for the sake of being hard but i disagree with that statement now i've got into them and i'm only i'm a latecomer into those games but today i um i downed the difficulty by installing some mods on a pc game that i'm playing because it wasn't a difficulty thing that was annoying me. It was a particular game mechanic that made the game more difficult, arguably, but it was it was an annoying game mechanic. And I think anyone who's played the game will know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's that fucking shark in Raft. If you've played Raft, it's a survival <laughs> game. I'm like, there's sharks in Dark Soul games? Wait, <laughs> what? My brain was like, Elden Ring's a shark. There's a shark? What? So, in in Raft, there's this shark. Um, for anyone mm -hmm. who hasn't played it, it's a survival game. You start on this four-plank raft, basically, and you have to collect debris from the ocean and build a raft. There's a lot more to it than that because there's a there's a quite a convoluted not convoluted quite a complicated story that you can follow. And there's lots of um, there's lots of islands and lots of like set pieces and stuff in the game. But you don't realise that until you get past the grind of right. I've got to pick this one bit of wood up. How many bits of wood do I need? I need five hundred bits of wood before you know. It's the same you know survival grind. But there's mm -hmm. a shark that every after your raft gets past a certain size, which isn't very big, this shark just starts attacking it every now and again and chomping on you and and taking a thing out every now and again. And it doesn't really achieve anything. It just it's just there 
or in my opinion, it's just there to annoy you. And yes, it it just means that you have to get another four planks and two bits of plastic or whatever to make the pl- the platform again, or you can upgrade it and armor it. But I haven't got time for that, and so I've cheated. So I've I've cheated by removing the. There are difficulty settings in the game as well. There's an easy like a, a peaceful mode where the shark won't attack you, but everything in the game is peaceful then. All the the bears and the seagulls and the dogs and the wolves and everything else in the in the game that you come across, they're all passive as well. And it's really weird walking around on this old deserted ship uh, where the, all these mutant rats are supposed to be attacking you, and they're just just looking at you funny, you know. So I've just disabled the shark. So did you? Do you not beat him up? You can, but you've at the beginning of the game you've got this wooden stick. The, the durability on it is... And, that, and that's another thing with difficulty as well. I've installed another mod that allows me to increase the durability on some items because I believe it's a wholly unrealistic durability. Within a day, it's the same as things like hunger and thirst. It's like sometimes you, you run out of hunger in these in these survival games for you know within minutes of playing the game. And it's like, there's no fun in that. I need a bit of reality, you know? I, I want... I know it's a game, and I know the day-night cycle's probably a bit faster, but I also don't want to be scavenging for food, you know, all the time. I want to scavenge for food. Well, but- isn't... Let's see. I could challenge that. Isn't that kind of the purpose behind survival games? It's that whole scavenging type of a thing. I mean, it, I'm not saying what you've done is wrong, so let me just go right out and say that I love modding games. There are certain games I refuse to touch if they are not 100% modded and completely changed and everything like almost fundamental game design choices changing for example fallout 4 that system can be completely redone a different way like there are some proper game changing mods but isn't the shark meant to be there to add almost a sense of pressure because you jump off the raft to go collect that barrel and that shark is going to get you. So the mod that I've installed, it stops him attacking incessantly every 10 minutes or whatever, just randomly attacking the raft. There's no reason a shark would attack my raft. If I was in the sea, the shark would not attack my raft, right? You well, want a realistic shark. Yeah, I want a, re- I want a better shark. <laughs> so this, the thing is, all it does is it annoys me by attacking the side of the thing. So I've stopped it doing that, but it's still aggressive in the water. Which is ha- which? Which adds a challenge to the game. But the, again, if we go to difficulties, there are difficulties in this game where you've got creative mode, like you would in Minecraft or anything like that, where you just can do anything and you've got infinite resources and you can build the biggest raft in the world and you know have a lot of fun. But to me, there's very limited excitement in that. Then you've got peaceful mode, which is all of the animals are completely passive, and it kind of ruins the game for me a little bit. That. It's like Subnautica. There's a there's a kind of the same in Subnautica. There's a creative mode, and then there's this peaceful mode where where you just you just don't really do much. And then there's ones where you've got standard mode. You know, you've got uh, the hunger and and your sustenance and everything mm-hmm. that goes down at a decent rate, but still too fast in my opinion. Um, and then there's the aggressive mode, which is like, who would play that? Why is that fun? Why is it fun? Literally, all I'm doing is eating and fishing for, for tiny little tadpoles and cooking them and then eating them and then just about getting enough time to create another bit of my raft. And uh, no, I'd rather I'd rather enjoy the game the way I want to enjoy it, if you know what I mean. So Okay. Okay. Under- so what I think you're, you're talking about is actually... Uh, in a way, two different things, okay? So you, when you started talking about Elden Ring, at that point in time, you were talking about um, a systematic style of play. FromSoft is notorious for this, um, as this points out that, you know, Dark Souls is sort of get good, don't complain kind of a thing. I actually argue that that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of uh, Dark Souls games is... Literally, you versus the mechanic. You see a boss, pull its arm back. You know it's going to do something. You have to learn the fights. You don't have a a prompt telling you this is going to 
put a big old line of fire in front of it. You have to learn the bosses. You have to put your focus into it. It's a big part of the game is learning the mechanics of each boss and then challenging yourself to build a build to either deal with every boss in game or only certain bosses or what have you. Their latest iteration, Elden Ring, is... From all accounts, because I don't play those games. I've I've never played a Dark Souls game. I've never played a... Well, I take that back. I did play one from software, but I basically spent a good portion of my time sitting here watching Faradel on my couch play it and just <laughs> smiling every time he died. It was just... Mm, there's something gratifying about watching people slightly tilt. Sorry, darling. I like watching you, you suffer. My uh, but, my wife had to leave the room numerous times when I'm playing Dark Souls games. Like I played um, Sekiro, which is another FromSoft game. Um, mm-hmm, but that's I, I the one play- that I've played. I'm playing it again now, actually, because I've now finished every other Dark Souls, uh, every other FromSoft game, and um, I want to go back to Sekiro and play it different because it's a different game. It's got a different timing. It's got a different way of. Uh, ev- again, it's it's. My, Elton, best, fr- Elton my best friend loves that one in comparison to all the others because of its timing. Elden Ring is a culmination of all of the previous games' lessons learned. If you are looking to get into this style of play, Elden Ring is the one to go into. It, 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 with any game, you have to learn the game's logic. Like, for example, in Raft... You have to learn to use that hook in order to pull bits and pieces to your raft so that you can do all of the work that you need to do. Technically, you need to learn to beat the crap out of Steve when he shows up, you know, Steve the shark. You got pound, pound, pound. You've got to do what you've got to do. That's sort of part of the game mechanic side of things. But Elden Ring is actually designed in such a way that once you have kind of learned what they're trying to accomplish... It's actually a gateway into all of the other ones. It's actually a gateway back into everything, including Dark Souls franchises. For people who've wanted to play, but they get they don't know if they can, Elden Ring can actually get you in there because of the way they've set up the game mechanics, the um, the building and everything else like that. It, it's actually a gateway. That's what every reviewer I have ever seen who has reviewed that game has said. It's like, I've done all the other games. This is the easiest one to get in. It does not make it the easiest game or the easiest type of one of these, but it's the easiest to learn in, it's which I think is cool. Any way, shape, or form, an easy game. Um, but the, 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 no. one of the beautiful things about um, Elden Ring versus the other, other games is that generally in every other... I mean, I played Bloodborne first out of all of them, and uh, my wife really enjoyed watching me play it one because it was one of the first games i played that i was dying in all like more than once because most of the time i'm pretty good mm-hmm. at games generally i don't die you know and i figure the mechanics out pretty quick and you know i'm not i don't play multiplayer games so that doesn't count but um but when i played this i was just dying over and over and over and i didn't really get it and now i can probably play bloodborne through and kill the first three or four bosses without dying because I know the bosses, and as you said, I've learned how to fight the bosses. I've learned to be patient. It's not just button bashing. It's not just smacking things. It's it's all timing. And like games like Bloodborne, Bloodborne, these don't have difficulties at all, but they do have ways to make the game, in inverted commas, easier. And the way that they make the game easier is by allowing people to be summoned into the game to help you. But when they do that, they also counteract that by increasing the boss's health cons- considerably. But the boss fights remain the same. And the fact that you, inv- a lot of people who play who are from soft, you know, diehards, they, they will not summon people. Like my best friend will not summon anybody into his games. Not because he's antisocial, he is, but it's not because he's antisocial, it's because. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he wants to play the game on his own and he wants to challenge, you know, everything. He doesn't want to be inv- in getting invaded and things like that make the game more difficult. There are even ge- things in in these games where like in Sekiro for example, there's the demon bell. You can go and ring the demon bell and that makes the game harder. Harder but not easier. And you can get items that make the game harder as well. Um in almost all the games I'm not sure if I would say any of the items make it easier. There's things like you can get a, a ring that rejuvenates your stamina and, and health, but negligibly. You know, it, it'll rejuvenate everything, like your health, while you're running around the, the open world. But they, it won't 
rejuvenate your health in any meaningful way while you're fighting a boss, which is when you need your bloody health, you know? Well, see, this this goes back to what I was saying. I mean, there are two different parts here to a discussion. There is mechanic-designed difficulty, which you can think of for things like Sekiro, Elden Ring, Bloodborne, Souls, that kind of a thing, you know? It is mechanically designed in such a way that you are punished for mistakes. Mm. That is it, but, right? That is the fundamental core, but... You're also rewarded. One. You are, of course. I mean, that, that you can't have punishments without reward. It doesn't make a good game. But... The other side of the coin, and this is the one that you were basically talking about, it is difficulty created because the developers thought, yes, this is actually a good thing to have as a obstacle towards a goal, because that is really all difficulty is. It's the level of um, obstacles that you put in front of someone to get towards, a, towards the end result, the reward, the chest, whatever. That's the difficulty. Now, in the case of the shark, he's just annoying to you. Yeah. Whereas yes. other people have named him and built him a little, you know, circle that he can spin in and they purposely oh. try to feed him parts of it. Like, there's crazy things people name. have done with the shark. I can't repeat it on the stream, but I've given him a name. <laughs> oh. So, but there is that kind of a difficulty and that obstacle to you seems unwarranted that seems like yeah. the developers were just doing it to do it because eh, you know I, I it, it doesn't know, make logical sense to you i think the developers put it in as a uh well one there are items that the shark drops that you need in the game to develop certain things so it's a necess necessity mm -hmm. at least i mean you could argue that it's optional. You don't need to create them, but if you want to be a completionist and see all of the items like I tend to do in survival games, it's it's needed. But there's nothing stopping me killing it if it's passive. There's nothing stopping me mm -hmm. finding those items in another way, really, apart from, I suppose, some of its shark steak. You know, you can't get shark steak from a, I don't know, a cupboard or something. I don't know. Maybe you could. I don't know. Maybe there would be some in a cupboard somewhere in the game. On the sea. Yes, there's a cupboard on the sea. Um, but it's not surprising. I, it's it's the frequency in which he attacks your boat, and the the way is the same every time. There's no variation. There's no dynamics to it, or at least nothing that's noticeable. You know, he bites it until it either falls off or you hit him four times with your with your prodder. You know, that's it. And and it's like, well, that's just pointless. And then you jump in the water, and he. If if you're within a certain distance, he will come for you and bite you. And it there's, it just needs a bit more AI, I think, a little bit more interest for it to be a worthy opponent in a game. So that's why I've turned it oh. off because it just annoys me. There's no there's no substance to it. Well, see, but that to me that that shows sort of a almost um, uh, two sides to difficulty. Right. You have the designed mechanic kind, and then you have the kind that is uh, added as just an obstacle. That, that to me, they're, they're in my brain, they're two different paths. Right. Um, most people actually I have to ask you you're an old gamer. Did you ever play Contra? Uh, yeah, I did play Contra. Yeah. I have it. You play fact, Contra? Yeah. How far have you gotten in Contra? Not very far, because when I last played it with, when I was a kid, I don't think I completed any games back then, because if I say, I'd say from the, no, maybe one or two I did, but from the SNES, the NES, you know, the Commodore 64, the, the Ataris, the early Ataris, the games were nails. They were all roguelikes, weren't they? They were all one life or seven lives or whatever, and that's it, you're dead. I maybe completed Chucky Egg. And even that, and that was a challenge. But it's just because I like like that game so much. So no, I never never completed Contra. Contra is, I think, it, it's one of those games where if you've never played Contra, you don't understand the pain. Um, it is, but the thing is, Contra in a weird way is exactly like a fight that you might get in a FromSoft game. It is every level 
is exactly the same, you need to memorize the pattern of the bullets. You need to memorize the patterns of all of the little trajectories. You need to memorize the pattern of where the the different heights are for the platforms because it's a side scroller as you are running through and you are doing your best to get to the end and not die, not get hit or anything else that goes with it. That I have watched people of the much younger generations try to play Contra. <laughs> it is really funny to me because I, when I was growing up, that's all we had. Like we didn't have all these fancy modding tools. We didn't have any real fancy way of doing much unless, you know, yeah, kind of figured out a way to get into the system. But this is back early, early doors when it comes to gaming. But there were trainers back then. So, could, there were action there were and game genies. And that there kind of thing. were, yes, but not everybody could get them, and not everybody knew how to use them, and not not every chord mm-hmm. uh, and train that you tried to use really worked very well. Work. Sometimes it just crashed. Yep. Oh my gosh! Yep. So one of the things that I find interesting is um, how games actually introduce difficulty to players and how they do the scaling up side of things. Um, now, Faradel has mentioned that whenever he plays a game, he always looks to increase the difficulty. Um, I have modded games with him before, and I just want to tell you that his idea of difficulty is someone's idea of nightmare, and that to him is normal mode. He is um, uh, evil is the best way for me to put it. I'm talking about you, Faradel. You're evil. But when games first introduce a game system, a game mechanic to a player, there's a lot of different ways that they can do it. They can, for example, do an introduction tutorial. Here is how you block. Here is how you hit. Here is how you jump back. Now, if you go this way, you jump this way. If you go this way, you jump this way. If you go this way, you jump this way. Like you can be taught how the game functions mechanically. And then you can be thrown into the very first boss who goes, yeah, by the way, now that you kind of have an idea of how to move, now you need to pay attention to me. Now you need to listen to what I am doing because it's me you're reacting to, not me reacting to you. That tends to be how I see the FromSoft games. The bosses don't really react to whether you are blocking, dodging, or whatever. They have their own set sort of pattern. No, no, no. Totally, totally wrong. And now the more advanced the games have got... they did. Well... Insecuro, they did. They all... Like, for example, the enemies and the bosses in most of the games... um, I would say all of the games, in fact, that I've played from Demon Souls all the way through to Elden Ring now. That's I would say the one that I was all react, Thank you, Faradel. They all react sorry. to... Um, uh, sorry, yeah, they all react to... Like, if you drink a potion, they'll immediately run in and try and take advantage of that and, and hit you. But they will... They do have oh. movesets, but they do react to That's- what you're doing and... More or less, I mean, is the movesets. Yes. And Faradel does point out that you can bait attack as well. There are different things that you can do. My point is, they do have set scripted actions. They do have things. They have scripts, You learn about... Like, when you first started playing, would you know that if you took a sip of your potion, they're going to attack you? No, of course not. Would you know that every time you slammed, you know, a sword into their face, they were going to have any kind of action? No, this is what I'm talking about. The way that developers try to train you into learning a mechanic or learning a um, how the game's uh, functions work. Yeah, I, I mean, see what you mean, I saw where you're coming from. They, they are they are scripted, as in. I know, like, uh, there's a there's a boss in Sek- uh, there's a mini boss in Sekiro uh, that appeared two times in this pl- run through this time. I haven't completed Sekiro, so I don't know how many times it's, it appears. But and it's a uh, it's like a it's a thing that's got right scissors on its hands and it and it smacks smacks you and it does a four five one pattern and it does that over and over and over and over. And to be fair, there's only one way I've been able to figure out how to kill him, which is block four times, block five times, block once, wait for him to come in and swipe you, jump, hit him, take his poise down, back off, um, 
block to bring your poise down while he's resetting. I think actually you do that beforehand, otherwise you haven't got enough time. And then you repeat that over and over and over and over. But that's one of the mini bosses, and it's a it's a very set pattern that that one's got. Whereas a lot of the other ones, mm-hmm. they have move sets, but the move sets are randomised. And then when you get into, um, I, I don't know if they're randomised based on what you're doing or not, but they're they're definitely randomised. But then when you get into like phase two, phase three, they change things up a little bit, and they might do some yep. of the same moves, but then they also add additional moves into there. But yeah, it still requires knowing what to look for, what cues to look for, and that's the learning pattern that you have. You don't mm-hmm. know that he's going to do move one, three, and then six every time unless it's a specific boss in a specific phase at a very specific time or something. You know, sometimes they do that, but generally in the Dark Souls games, they always tend to surprise me. Uh, you know, it feels you know, it feels organic. It's so interesting because my brain immediately steps into Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy fourteen in particular. Uh, in Final Fantasy fourteen, you have your dungeons, which is, you know, someone takes a hit, they're not going to be insta-killed. That's, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's very few mechanics in dungeons that will insta-kill somebody. You go into something like a, a trial or a raid, which is, you know, an eight-man sort of bit of content, more times than not, you're not going to, again, deal with a mechanic that's going to one-shot people. People might get a, a vulnerability stack as proof that they messed up a mechanic and they might take more damage on the next hit, but it's not the end of the world. There is no timer for the fight. It, it can go on for 30 minutes, I, although I think at that point there does actually kind of come in some really weird soft enrage at that point, but... You have those mechanics where you just learn, oh, I shouldn't be standing there. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Then you get into the more challenging fights, which are the trials and the normal or raids, and they basically become savage and extreme. At which point in time, mechanics are unforgiving, completely unforgiving. There's only a couple mechanics that you could go, oh, I got hit with that, everything's fine. It's rare. More times than not, you get hit with something and you do something wrong, everybody dies. So there's a a difficulty curve to this. You learn about things going forward. However, the big difference is in Savages, the fight is completely scripted. You know exactly what attacks are coming. You may not know the right way to handle the attack because it may be something like um, everybody needs to be on the east side of the platform versus the west side. But you know a choice is coming up at this exact moment in a timeline. So you can actually train up through a fight because, again, mechanics are predetermined. Which is in a weird way where you took me with your explanation about how... They have their move sets, but and you just it's hit on randomized. That, and I'm, I'm not sure if you knew you were hit on it. I thought about this a while ago. A lot of online games don't have a difficulty. Like, most of them don't have a difficulty. They, and it's not something you think about, really. If you invest your time in multiplayer games, either MMORPGs or, or uh, you know, online uh, first-person shooters or something like that, the difficulty is set by the opponents that you're playing, or... It's set if it's PvE. If it's PvP, obviously that is massively varied. But if it's PvE, you generally, you if you go for Dungeon 1, you know that that's going to be X difficulty. I will tell you, as an MMO player, your difficulty is set by the people in your party. Well, yes. Oh, well, I know. <laughs> I, I used to play... Right now... <laughs> I used to play a lot of them myself, and yes, you were let down quite often, or, or you know, you were the let down quite often. You know, it happens both ways. Um, but the the game doesn't set a difficulty for you. Oh, sorry, it does. No. It sets a finite difficulty, and I, I don't know any examples no. in my experience, at least, where any MMOs have ever have ever allowed you to choose a difficulty, other than even if you enter an instance. You don't choose easy, medium, or hard. You you just go in. Actually, and that's it. you you kind of 
MMOs have changed over the years, everything from Guild Wars to World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy, uh, Elder Scrolls, uh, all MMOs have evolved over time to the point where there are scalable difficulties that you can pick in games now. Um, I can't remember what it's called in um, uh, World of Warcraft. It's like heroic modes or something like that. I, it's, I haven't played World of Warcraft in donkey's ages um but you could it's based on how many people happen to be present in your party decides you know a difficulty scaling curve and you also had the ability to do the i think it was heroic versions of certain dungeons which was basically just more bullet sponging (laughs) like it was just sort of adding health and like there wasn't real mechanic changes or anything else like that so when it comes to um MMO difficulty choosing MMOs tend to have an incredibly vocal but small group of what is known as the end gamers. And these are the people who want the absolute creme de la creme, hardest to do content so that they can get the visual rewards to get um, virtual pride for I got this weapon, I got this mount, I got this title and I'm one of like one 0.1% of the community who's done it successfully. Look at me. I'm awesome. See how big my dick is. Like, this is a big part of the MMO world. They're a small group, but they are bloody loud. And MMOs do their best to cater to them. Now, you say they don't have difficulty scaling. Even back when I played World of Warcraft, Deadly Boss Mods was a required mod because... People needed to be told when fire is coming, when Onyxia was going to be swooping, when the whelps were accidentally called. Like, people needed to have those shout-outs in their ear, and they ended up building raids based on people having deadly boss mods installed. Would you say that having that mod installed actually makes the game easier because you're not paying attention to what the bosses are saying or doing anymore. You have some little call out in your ear telling you what to do. Yeah, I would say that makes the game easier. That is a difficulty scale thing. If it's not built into vanilla, then it is a modification whether you're moving a slider or installing a mod to make the game harder or more difficult. Difficult, I agree, but difficulty the, is so subjective. Just keep though, in mind, it? It's, it, but keep in mind the raids and WoW were created over time to require that mod to be installed, right, to well, require that level of complexity. Like that is what ended up happening over time. Now, so interestingly. World of Warcraft loves the modding community. I say that with a level of sarcasm because I understand there have been crazy things that have happened with mods. In Final Fantasy, there has been a zero mod policy forever and a day. And yet, there is a mod out there that actually can tell people what to do in fights that can tell people what action is coming, can tell people whether to go left or right, whether or not they're the ones who have to... It's basically like Deadly Boss Mods, the plugin for the mod for World of Warcraft, but for Final Fantasy. It does exist. So much so that this latest... uh, most complex fight known as an ultimate in Final Fantasy came out and people actually wrote their own custom triggers for this mod and um, world firsts were gotten because people wrote their own triggers and their own um, step-by-step instructions on how to handle each of the different mechanics. Sorry, keep thinking I hear music, but it's a pigeon. Um, yeah, so what you're describing there is, so back before, back before um, cheating, online cheating was a was a major problem, like it is these days, mm. and there has to be cheat, you know, people, anti-cheats have to be installed in almost every single multiplayer game, and um, every every game that doesn't have it is just plagued by people cheating one way or another, 
And there's all kinds of different ways people cheat. Even people, even with cheat anti-cheat software and stone, people still find ways. Yes, still find ways. Um, so it reminds me of back in the day uh, when I used to play Quake Two. Um, when I used to play Quake Two semi-professionally, and I I was, you know, involved in some of the bigger clans that were around. You know, I play if I wasn't in the bigger clans, I was playing the bigger clans, and uh, it was specifically for a very specific mod. But there were we could modify the game on our local client machines, and we all did it. Everybody had a pack file, and the pack file pack nine dot PAK was just a file that was just a zip file basically with a directory structure inside it, and it, and it the higher the number on the pack file, the more that it overwrote previous pack files, and the game come with pack zero, pack one, pack two, I think, and everything else was. Mm-hmm. So we all used to modify the game to make the game more competitive, and everybody in the community did it. None of it was done maliciously, from my experience. I very rarely experienced a cheater in Quake 2, although I know they existed. But in the communities that I hung around in, everyone had respect for each other, and everyone the, the things that we did was fine. So, for example, <clears throat> everybody had... So Quick 2 wasn't known for its graphics, but everyone had bright coloured skins, and I'm talking about illuminous like red and yellow and orange skins that were just one colour. So you could see as soon as you saw a player, you could you know, you could twitch onto them and, and shoot them, mm-hmm. you know. Everybody installed them. Everyone had um, smaller grenade explosions, so they didn't get in the way when you're when you're firing a grenade on the floor and, and it explodes. Everyone modified the sounds to make them slightly louder or to um, to to make them different. You know, I had, I had loads of custom sounds as well that I added onto it that I bound to keys that I could um, uh, that that helped me know that I've chosen the railgun or I've chosen. I had people do the voiceovers for me as well, for, you know, because it was it was a big thing back then. The pack files also contained custom configurations, and I had some insanely complicated configurations that for every level in the game that we ever played, you could page up and page down between the levels. You know, as you, It was a bit primitive, but it worked back then. And you page up and page down, and it loaded different areas so you could send commands to your, um, to your team members to say, I'm at the pipes, or I'm at the, you know, I'm at the, the chasm, or whatever. That kind of thing. Because we didn't have voice comms back then either. This is the days before Mumble was a thing, before TeamSpeak was a thing, you know? Oh, my God, um, you're taking me back to the days of when I did Counter-Strike. Yeah, well, I mean, even, even Counter-Strike 1, that didn't have, we didn't have voice comms then, but then they became a thing, and you had separate programs, and now they're built into every game or every platform, and you don't even think about it. But back then, what we're doing here would have been well, see- impossible. But, would but you, see, the reason I raised that, sorry, before we move on, before, but mm-hmm. before we, the reason I raised that is modding the game by some people, what I've just described, especially things like bright skins, would be considered cheating. It would also be considered making the game easier for yourself. But if a community oh. does it together... That, that is what I was literally becomes, going to say. It then becomes accepted, and it then becomes a thing that, even though it was a colloquial thing, it wasn't a, a endorsed thing by ID Software. ID Software, sorry, I always called them ID, and they're called ID, aren't they? Um, <laughs> it, it wasn't endorsed by ID Software. The only thing ID Software really endorsed was they never fixed the physics bugs in Quake 2. So you could circle jump, and you could bunny hop, and, and, and you had to get good at that, though. There were people who were tremendous and tremendously accurate with it they practiced for hours and hours and hours doing all the jumps and everything that they needed to do to get from one place on the level to another in a in a way that they probably shouldn't have that the game designers didn't intend and and it was emergent in a way but does that make that cheating does that make that the game easier because you're exploiting a game mechanic that the developers chose not to fix well, see, I think what you're talking about are, again, a couple of different things. So let's address each thing individually. First off, <laughs> yeah. when you have a game and an entire community decides this is what our um, rules are going to be for this particular game, yo, rock on. The difference would be if, you know, only one person was using those skins or only one person was using an aim bot, or only one person, you know, had someone doing particular call outs or what have you. Like at that point in time, it's it's less about 
uh, everyone being on the same playing field and more about gaining an edge over other people using tools. Now, the other side of that equation is you talked about emergent gameplay. I would state that in our current gaming world, emergent gameplay is so rare. Yes, speedrunners find all kinds of weird ways to do things. Um, speedrunners are notorious for all of the stuff, and TaskBot is fantastic at helping to find crazy, weird, frame-perfect glitches and stuff like that. But you're not going to find something like that in, say, a competitive arena. Um, there are still rules that will be laid down. But emergent gameplay tends to be a lot rarer. I think in modern time, the only emergent gameplay that I can think of that's had an absolute knock-on effect was in Warframe. And this has to deal with the fact that when uh, Warframe came out, you didn't have the fancy, crazy, like, uh, bullet-jumping weirdness that they currently have. You are meant to be a space ninja. You are meant to like crawl through walls and pipes and stuff like that. But the community found with a particular weapon in their hand and a particular set of actions on their keyboard, they could go from one side of the map to the other pretty damn quickly. The dev saw this, incorporated it into the gameplay, but it was emergent on a bug. People figured out a way to do it, and instead of being punished, the developers went, oh, that actually looks like a lot of fun. And now everybody does it, but it, its roots came from a bug, right? So there's another, there's another example of what you just described there in a game I used to play called Tribes, which you might have played, not sure. Tribes was... Familiar with it, but I don't think I played it. So Tribes was a first-person game. It doesn't sound like it when I when you first talk about it, but it was a first-person game, and it was one of the first games where um, basically you had a jetpack in the game. Everybody had a jetpack by default, and you had different levels of armor. There's Tribes. There's, there's like three Tribes, one, two, and three Tribes Vengeance, and there's another one that's around now. Uh, it, have you, you do you know Planet Side? Oh my God! Yes. So <laughs> yes. it's very Planet Side's kind of a spiritual successor to Tribes, um, and, and basically Tribes was a map. Uh, you were on a map, and it was a huge, like rolling landscape. It's not much going on. There's no vegetation. It was just really basic. But there was a there was usually a base on each side, and you either had to capture the flag and take it back to your base, or you had to like destroy the generator in the base. And everyone had different um, setups. Uh, it was loadouts, and it was well before loadouts were a thing in games. But I absolutely loved the game, and Tribes 1 had this mechanic called skiing, where you, you basically hit a ramp, or you, you hit one of the rolling landscapes, like the hills, you hit on the down, and you start jumping, as soon as you hit the floor, you start jumping really, really quickly, you know, press, press your jump key. Um, and then you slide, and you slide up the hill, and you can just welly yourself right across the map. The developers never fixed it because it was a it was a big thing that everyone practiced and got good at, and you had to be good at it. You know, you had to figure out the mechanic and and, and practice it. Um, and then they introduced it into the subsequent games, but they introduced it really badly. They limited it. They 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 nerfed it essentially, but not. I think they they had good intentions, but they just nerfed it. I think because because they moved to another engine, you see, and they they rewrote the game for for new versions, and they probably fixed the physics bug, and then went, oh, we've got to add this in, and it just didn't work. There was a limit to it. You had, and then I think by the time Tribe Three came out, you just had to hold the ski button, and it just it was like, but there's no skill in that. I mean, all the all the players were just like, this isn't this isn't good. This is not fun. But, well, yeah, it's, see, it's interesting, the, the, isn't it, how de some developers do do that, but others don't. Well, there's also um, the this going back to the days of Counter-Strike and stuff. Do you remember when macros were possible and before they were possible? 
I remember having to get really good at a very set key combination with my hand at the start of every single Counter-Strike map to get all my purchases in. It, I, it Like, my mm-hmm. fingers almost remember exactly what buttons they need to press in order to buy exactly what I need, make certain I have the thing, get the right thing equipped, get everything that I need, because you had to pre-buy your weapon, your armor. Like, you, that was part of the start of your map, Right. And then macros and things came about and like the addition of technological advances also created a situation for uh, cheating and difficulty or making the game easier for yourself. I mean, I I guess in a weird way, we should go back just a little bit. Definition of cheating. What is that to you? The definition of cheating is... It's it's like the definition of a prank to me. It's getting one over on somebody else, another player, without their consent, without their knowledge, and and doing it in a nefarious way, I suppose. So would you say, then, that people who use tools to help them become more successful at a game is actually considering it's not trying to get something else over on somebody else. It's trying to assist themselves. Would you say that that could constitute as cheating because you're giving yourself an advantage over another player? So if we go back to the pack files I was talking about, specifically those skins, Mm -hmm. if you didn't have those skins and you didn't use GL Modulate 30, which basically increased the um, visibility and removed all the shadows. Luminosity. yeah, luminosity in the game. If you didn't do those two things, you were at a humongous disadvantage, especially if you had a dark a, a character with a dark skin um, in a shadow at the end of a corridor. You, if that if that was a bright skin and GL modulus, you would see them instantly, and you would be able to hit them because there was the massive hitboxes in in Quake Two as well. So in that instance, again, the whole community did that use this. But if you look at something like an aimbot, an aimbot takes away other people's enjoyment of the game. I'm not talking about your enjoyment, because somebody might enjoy using an aimbot in a game. It makes the game easier for them. It makes them get points. It allows them to abuse the scoreboards and abuse the whatever reward system is built into the game, because most you know, let's face it, every FPS game these days that you play online, you get prestiges and you have to unlock more and more weapons until you get, yeah, and ad infinitum. But it, something like an aimbot is abhorrent in, in my book. But something like a skin that everyone has access, access to that makes the game, makes, makes it equally competitive as long as people know that you're using these skins and have the option to do it themselves... When you're involved in such a serious community as that, I mean, professional gamers are serious about it. I was, and all of my, you know, colleagues, colleagues, counterparts, whatever, back in the day of, of Quake 2, we were all very, very serious about it back then. So everybody communicated, everyone shared their pack files, and everyone customized their own pack file in a way. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a gloat in some way, you know, this is what I use, you know, oh, I like that idea, let's take that idea off you and I'll put that into my pack file and, you know, you'll you'll get there. But that's the definition of a cheat. It's something nefarious that spoils the enjoyment for other people, for me. See, I can agree with that. I would probably make certain to never include a definition for cheating that involves something that developers intended versus unintended because i've seen too many instances where the developers get it wrong for you it's the damn shark um like you know that there are things that just don't quite sit right um i think and nefarious is definitely a thing. And I also think it is... I need to explicitly say it for this statement. No, we do not condone the use of third-party software tools for Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> we don't approve of these things. Follow and pay attention to what Daddy Yoshi P says. Well, that's another it's thing. It's against as well. the terms of service. If right? the game developer but, specifically says that in the terms of service, then yes, I agree that it shouldn't be done because it's not your game. At the end of the day, you but, are buying a license to play somebody else's game. 
But I know people with disabilities who cannot play the game without certain mods installed. I know people who need that. Now, keep in mind, these people are not trying to go after world first and competing with other people. They're just trying to make the game accessible. Yeah. So for you, them. you said at the beginning of this podcast, we weren't going to talk it's about that accessibility. We're not going to so go into accessibility. <laughs> but my point, my point simply is, you know, there are uh, like if someone was literally using a tool specifically so that they could go after a competition, like the moment the word competition is brought in, that to me is where I have a very no policy to that uh, a big one is like in pvp there are so many things there was a bot that actually came out for final fantasy when pvp changed my mind kind of went i should have expected as much but i was literally shocked when i saw that these things existed i was like what people were complaining on reddit a lot of love reddit but the moment you're going up against someone else in a competitive manner, you start using tools that you're not telling other people about, or you start using tools that give you an advantage and that collaboration is gone. You don't have people discussing, oh, I've got this in my pack. Oh, I've got this in my particular macro. Oh, I've done this in order to tweak my mouse sensitivity. Have you given like that was a collaborative effort, right? You weren't trying to hoard a piece of information that nobody else in the community knew about just so you could get one over. Because at that point, it's nefarious, right? Yeah, exactly. At that point, it was, it was a community You're trying thing. to get one over. But I, yep. I think I disagree and, with you. I think I disagree with you about the, the statement about um, if it's in a professional or competitive uh, manner. Now, I, I take the statement about accessibility... Um, I take it on board, and I agree that we need to make games accessible, mm -hmm. but that's all I'm going to say on that matter at the moment. However, if you are doing something outside of the capability of the game that other people don't know about, and you're playing on a public server, and I'm thinking specifically, I'm thinking aimbots here, for example. An aimbot ruins I'm the entire game. I'm thinking duplication sheets as well. Yeah, duplication in a multiplayer game or something like that, yeah. Um, mm. I mean, I don't mind you. I, I really don't have a problem with duplication sheets in something like a survival game sometimes. If, if it's a massive grind, if I don't have a slider or something that I can, a setting somewhere I can change that goes, can you make this grind a little bit better for my busy adult life? You know, I will use duplication occasionally, a, a mod of some description, but I will never, ever consider doing that online. If it's morally reprehensible, if it's mor morally questionable, then I probably won't do it, if that makes sense. I say probably because it's morals are, morals are a subjective thing again, aren't they? Do you see, see where I'm coming from? I, d I don't agree that it, it should be limited to competition. I think that cheating or changing the difficulty of an online game we've we've kind of tangented into online game cheating here because it's very specific to online um competitive online play well when you do online play uh it, it really comes down to what we we're talking about before if if your difficulty is another player that's one thing if your difficulty is the mechanics of a game that's another thing. I mean, there, there's kind of two different things. Now, granted, your difficulty uh, versus another player can be impacted by the mechanics. That's kind of the purpose of online multiplayer games, obviously. However, <laughs> to me, when you have a situation like that, where you have people who are competitive against each other um, in some way, shape, or form, if someone is using a cheat... Everyone should be using that cheat, going back to what you were doing in the old school days of Quake. Because at that point in time, it's a community collaboration thing. You guys, as a collective, are saying, we're setting the difficulty bar here. That's it. The community has decided. And the community could go up or down, depending upon what the community wants to do. But if someone in a competitive situation is using a tool that no one else knows about, or they're keeping their mouth shut about it. They're not talking about it, you know, and they're literally using it to gain an advantage over someone. That to me goes back to that. That's proper cheating. I mean, it's not an, when it comes to the multiplayer side of things, if your competition is a player, 
that's one thing. But if your competition is the game itself in a multiplayer game, like, oh, gee, I don't know, the game that's been an early access and survival zombie horror genre forever. Ooh. Oh, my God. Seven days to die. Pick one. <laughs> That'll work. Sure. <laughs> I to say pick one. There's quite a few. Yes. Seven days to die, you know, in that particular moment in time. Have you ever done PvP in that? Um, I've played Seven Days to Die. I've played a lot of different modes in it, but I tend to like just playing it solo. I've got to be honest. I, I quite like the the game in well, general. Well, you can make, you can change the sliders. You can get yourself two hundred percent return on that two second check in the back of a car. You know, exactly. But at that point in time, you're in complete control. But you know, would you want somebody using duplication cheats if you were playing yeah. against them in Seven Days to Die? Not like you not. would, even though you like. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I have played PvP and I have played on community servers and stuff. And yeah, all of those games, like Rust is is plagued with cheaters. Oh my God. It is plagued with cheaters, <laughs> but public servers in Rust, especially more than any other game I've ever played, are just abhorrent. They're just full of awful human beings that they don't, there's no There's no sense of community. There's no sense of, of like, just decency for the common person, you know? There's, there's just everyone... Just seems to be horrible. It's like you, you stand there, you've just spawned on the beach, and you you know you just get beaten to death with a rock by some some guy, or shot with an AK forty seven from three miles away, for no reason. And but that's the kind of game that Rust breeds. But if you play on a community server, and you know I've actually been the bad guy on community servers before because I've broken a rule that I didn't know was a rule. If you know what I mean. There was, um, I'll tell you the story. Oh, yeah, I I remember this story because you've actually told me this story. But um, that at point in time is the difference. There is a community level of difficulty that is set with the rules. Whether or not you agree with them, eh, find your own community or make your own community as the case may be. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, I mean, when it comes down to difficulty, I think back in the day, I used to be probably similar to Faradel in that I would everything would be on max max difficulty um, and I would try that and if I didn't enjoy it or I didn't like it within the first hour or two of the game I would restart the game and I'd dial it back to normal and then I'd usually be okay but then if I look at games like um, The Last of Us the original Last of Us game magnificent mm. game in terms of storytelling not bad gameplay by any stretch of the imagination but for me for my tastes i found the game extremely boring it's not bad it's just not not for me the game Mm -hmm. i wanted i still i really wanted to see the story through though because i wanted to see what happened to the characters and i really cared about the well every aspect of the story to be fair it was just it was just really engaging so what i did with that is i played it on the hardest difficulty first I struggled and struggled and struggled through it, and I was like, "I hate this! I hate this! I hate trying to get past these seven clickers in this this dank warehouse or whatever." And and I just I just thought, right, I'm stopping. I I hate I hate the gameplay so much that I'm starting the game again on the easiest possible setting, literally the casual kind of magazine reviewer setting, you know. <laughs> and I just I just you know went through the game, enjoyed shooting, you know, here and there, but just one shot kills, you know loads of ammo around loads of extra things it it just made the game more enjoyable for me because of the type of game but then some other mm-hmm. games i will kill myself playing like all the fromsoft games even if they had a sort of a lower difficulty i wouldn't change it but then there are other games that have bosses in them i'm trying to think of an example there's one i played recently where you could change the difficulty mid-game um, and I struggled with the boss, and the boss wasn't fun. The boss was not intuitive. The boss wasn't teaching me anything. And like in Dark Souls, what's one of the things about the, the Soulsborne games is that you play the game and you die thousands and thousands of times. No matter how good you are, you will die at some point, but you will learn every time you die, and you're like, right, as you said before, I should have sidestepped then, or I should have backed off, or I should have shot him or parried or whatever you should have done. Um, and that's really clever game design versus lazy game design where the boss has just got a humongous um like health Hit bar bull. doesn't do anything bullet sponges annoy bullet the sponges. crap out of me i mean there, there are arguments for um 
for games like Gears of War. I don't know if you've played the Gears of War games. No. Um, but again, they're very bro-heavy, you know. The, the story is very engaging. But those are games that I played on the hardest difficulty all the way through. And there were some parts that I really struggled with. Everything in that game is a bullet sponge, from the really basic like enemies that you, st- you start off with. The same the thing as in bosses. Borderlands. Yeah, yeah. I got a bit bored of Borderlands after the first one, I've got to be honest, but I keep buying them because I'm mad. <laughs> but I think I think the conclusion of this, because we are coming to the end of the show, I think the conclusion of this, mm-hmm. for me at least, is that difficulty is subjective. If difficulty makes it more difficult for other people you're playing with, then it's a bad thing. If you're you making the game easier for yourself, i.e. cheating, as we would probably define it, um, and it makes the game miserable or makes other people not enjoy the game that they're playing, then that's not acceptable to me, changing the difficulty in that way. But changing the difficulty too easy is not a crime. I'm not going to... I'm never going to tell anyone off for it or, or go, no, you're, you're oh, no. Robot. No. I mean, I remember the days when we could play for hours on end. We're at a point now where we get only X amount of time to play yep. and we want to take advantage of it. And I get that. Um, what I will throw out is I am disappointed in game development today because of the fact that the old school world of cheats is not as prevalent as it once was. And I'm talking about like the really, really old school stuff that you used to be able to do with like um, uh, black and white. Yeah. Like those things are memorable for a reason. You know, those shortcuts, those, those key bindings, IDS. I mean, all of these things years years later stay in the brain i almost remember the phone number i need to dial in gta i think it was four (laughs) gta san andreas and san andreas in order to get a particular set of weapons for a particular mission i I mean like all of these I think it was San Andreas. I don't think you had. I don't think you had a phone in San Andreas, did you? I think four was the first one that introduced a cell phone. Was it four that? Yeah, Nico Bellic. Is that right, Nico Bellic? Is that his name? No, Vice City. He was Vice City. No, that was Vincent Vachetti or something like that. All I know is it's the one where, like, there was a. My point is, we don't have that in today's day and age. Yes, we do have things like the tilde. You expect the console to come up and, you know, people do collectively bring things. But I miss the day and age of sharing with my friends how to get a million simoleons in Sims. You know, I miss the days of being able to go, well, I'm going to go straight up God mode because, you know, I want to see what's going to happen. You don't you can get that in some games, but it's it's almost like that that pastime has passed. That's just single player games. Baradol's just made a good multi point. Yes. the sad thing is is that some games now sell cheats for monetization, which is true. And it's not necessarily so just cheats. If we go back to the FPS games of, of today, he said it earlier actually, I think. Um it's now called the in game store. When I was talking about uh when I was talking about the uh, yeah, just uh, opening things, unlocking things as you go. And it's the same with it's mobile games that have really done mm-hmm. this, or mobile games have borrowed from... I don't know which way around it was, but basically you can pay to win, or you can mm-hmm. pay to play, you know, play to play to enjoy it. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, I, there are lots of people who are willing to spend a lot of money on, on these games to get the best gear and jump ahead of the crowd, and there's, there's no fun in that. This is... This is the... I think this is why I have I have left uh, I've gotten myself uh, as a gamer I used to play absolutely everything I now play a very fixed set of games you know my my MMO of choice is Final Fantasy 14 I'm not going to touch another MMO I just have no desire to invest in it I would prefer to play either a single player game where I have complete control over everything from modding on down, because then I'm taking a game experience and making it my own enjoyable play or very specific co-op games that we as a group can make judgment calls on and go from there. Do we all want to play with this? 
particular yeah. thing turned on. Do we all want to have this type of difficulty? Do we all, because at that point, it's a collaborative effort, but it's group play. I am not a PvPer. No, I, I have PvP'd, been a PvPer for years. But I, 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 I think, I think I, I've tried in a lot of different places. I think I lost the luster and the field marshal grind and wow. But, you'll, you know. You'll be glad to know. At that know. point in time. Oh my god, that was what we used to do. And uh, we really do need to go. But in wow, when yeah. you were going after the field marshal grind, what you would do is you would literally communicate with the people who were doing the grind with you to decide who got it that week because it was only given out once a week. And no, we all would every, say, This is the person, this is the instance. next person. But it was a community effort. Yeah. Mm. And you, you know, you share, like, who's going to get the spiked pauldrons, you know? Um, all right, I'm a warrior, so I'm the one who can use them. I'm the tank, but you know, if if another thing drops, someone else is going to get get them. You know. Um, oh, loot's an entirely different discussion. But yes, it is. we could go on forever. Uh, we are at the end of our show. Uh, for those of you who are um, listening, do remember our previous shows. If you've happened to miss any, are all available on Spotify, Apple Play, Google Play, and the podcast platforms of your choice. Uh, including the last two that are up as well, as a reminder. Um, massive thank you to everybody in chat. Indeed. And, uh, yeah, you can, you know, check everything out on our website, uh, dnistream.live. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. Still hasn't been updated. Probably never going to get updated. Is what it is. Tough. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we might, might even this. do another gaming podcast next week because I'm quite enjoyed this. I love talking games. But then again, you and I like talking shit. Doesn't make a difference what we're talking about. We just like talking. Uh, in case it's not obvious to people. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> I did have some other cathartic things I wanted to like I, I could have talked about today to do with development and stuff, but it doesn't matter. I'd rather I'd rather be talking about games. As I said, I don't get enough time to play them, Too but hot. They're wonderful. Yeah, that's right. Ah, uh, games are great. Yes. With that note, the last thing for us to do is to say to absolutely everybody in chat, massive loves and hearts. For those of you who wish to participate uh, or who are listening to us in the future, do join us live Mondays at 6 p.m. British. It is bloody hot summertime at twitch.tv slash GNI stream. Yeah. Indeed. So all, all that we've got to say now is goodbye. Bye. Bye. It's too hot, Chris. Too I'm hot. dying. Oh, uh, you're fanning yourself now, though, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs>